0: Welcome to Skills USA's podcast. I'm your host Craig Moore. Today we are sitting down with Executive Director Emeritus Timothy W. Lawrence, and we're going to talk a little bit about his life and career here at Skills USA, where he's worked for the past 24 years, and will be officially retiring on February 14th. Hey, Tim.
1: Hey, Greg. How are you today?
0: Not too bad. We, uh, I've, I've worked across the hall. Well. I guess across the hall from you for a few years, and then <laughs> yeah. you went to the big office. But um, thanks for taking the time to come in. I know there's a there's a lot going on um, as as you prepare to uh, start your next adventure. But I wanted to give our listeners a chance to hear a little bit about your life and and what what you did in the program, both in the Vocational Industrial Clubs of America and later as Skills USA. So, let's start right from the beginning. Um, You started as a student.
1: Yes, I sure did, Craig, and you know, um, this year, vocational education, now called career and technical education, is 103 years old. When the Smith Hughes Act was passed in 1917, that was the first federal investment in vocational education, and really that was the birth of vocational education in the United States. But, you know, if you look back at my history of that 103 years of, of vocational education, I've been involved for 53 of those years. Wow. So I was a student uh, following my dad, who was a, a sort of a welder and mechanic on the Norfolk Western, Norfolk Southern Rail- Railroad, and my uncles and my brother who worked, um, you know, in the coal mining industry on the, the rails.
0: Where did you grow up?
1: In Rock, West Virginia, a little town on the, on the far southern point of West Virginia in the coal fields. Uh, Mercer County. Uh, if you've seen the movie October Sky, that's that's uh, around the, the area where it was filmed, uh, about a young man who who really excelled through science education and, and went on to, to, uh, to win the National Science Fair through his work with rockery, rocketry. His name was Homer Hickam. Homer was a generation ahead of me, but was sort of a hero in that part of town because it was hard to get out of that part of the country. You, you were destined to probably work in the coal business, either underground or above-ground supporting that industry. But um, I started as a student in 1967 at Mercer County Vocational Technical Center. Uh, Again, following my dad and my brother through the program. They had been to that school my dad years ago and my brother just a year before. My brother was an electronics student and a VICA member. Uh, But VICA was two years old as we were founded in May of 1965. I joined in 1967 at the beginning of that school year. Wow. And uh, enrolled in a welding program. And it really made a difference in my life. I look back at those times and just think of where I would be today without that, that program, without VICA, now Skills USA, and without that, that training program and that instructor. So you were a welding student. Um, you competed, right? I did. I competed in, in April of 1969 in McDowell County, West Virginia, in the state championship for welding. Did not win that competition. Uh, but, you know, Craig, that day really changed my life. I walked into that lab. Uh, first of all, my instructor, Joseph Picarella, who was a former Newport News shipbuilder hmm. uh, and welder and fabricator there. I really admired him. In fact, probably other than my parents and grandparents, the most meaningful adult in my life at that time because I came out of a high school program, again, southern West Virginia, small high school, and had excelled all my life in, in academics until I hit Algebra I. Hmm. <laughs> and when I hit Algebra one, I, I kind of hit the wall. And I was struggling a little in high school, were actually struggling quite a bit in high school at that time. And then I enrolled in this program, this welding program and met Mr. Picarella, And that day changed my life because suddenly academics made sense. Suddenly the light came on in the young man's mind and suddenly I could see the need for algebra and geometry and math and science and the things that I was struggling with. So when I applied those skills, those academic skills to real world learning and applied learning in, inside what was then called vocational education, again that light came on. So we had a local competition, a welding competition. We had a pretty strong chapter only two years into the program in the history of our organization. We had local officers. I was a local officer, never a state officer, never a national officer, but was a local officer and learned so much from that chapter and from my instructor. And we traveled across the state in his 1966 Fairlane, (laughs) Ford Fairlane, to Welch, West Virginia to compete that day in April of 1969. I walked into a welding lab, into a a school. It was McDowell County Vocational Technical Center. And suddenly, I saw something that was really special. I never thought of myself as having any special talents or skills. I was just a student who was trying to do the best I could. But I walked into that room. The mayor of Welch shook my hand and said, welcome, we're glad you're here. There were people there from the West Virginia Department of Education to greet the students and congratulate us. And there were employers. And I recognized the companies that were from my area, the welding supply companies, the manufacturers, the fabricators, the the mining companies. And all of a sudden, in a young man's mind, at at 17 years old, I said, you know, if what I'm doing with my hands and my mind isn't important, why would all these people be here to support me? And that day, even though I didn't win that competition, in fact, I'm not sure where I placed, I did get a certificate of participation, which I still have. Uh, one of the most meaningful certificates I've ever gotten, uh, I said, you know, my goals are going to get higher now in my personal life, in my education pathway, and in my career pathway. And they did, and I excelled from that point forward. So what did you do next? Well, next I, I decided to to go directly to work. Okay. When I finished my welding program and graduated from high school, I went to work in manufacturing, building underground coal mining equipment, later building american la france fire trucks and under underground uh, equipment to tow um uh, to tow the the vehicles in and out of the coal mines but then later on also building airline towing equipment wow. uh continue my education and and moving on to the, the next step of my journey so that vocational program prepared me for industry inside that company uh, i was a, i was a welder i moved up to be a fabricator. Uh, I was a, a union president, United Mind, worked of America Local 1773. At 19 years old, I was president of a, of a local union. Wow. Later on, uh, moved through, moving through that company, uh, my life changed again when I moved into management and uh, became a lead man for a shift and then became a supervisor for the welding, fabrication, steel, inventory, and machining division of that company, um, supervising around 300 employees at a very young age continue my education to really get to my ultimate goal. That's awesome.
0: So from there you moved eventually into the Department of Education, right?
1: Well, first there was a there was a teaching position. So okay. I was an advisor. So getting that that background in industry uh, prepared me to be a welding instructor and I uh, was the entire time when I say I've been involved in for 53 years in in Skills USA, the The time I was working in industry, I was still involved on the local schools advisory council, working with them uh, in their welding and and their their manufacturing programs. So they kind of recruited me to apply for the welding position when it came open, the instructor's position, in Tazewell County, Virginia. So I was a welding instructor. Uh, In fact, I was in industry for almost 10 years, became the welding instructor and VICA advisor at Tazewell County Vocational Center in Virginia for the next 10 years. And then there was the next step, which was another life-changing moment when I moved to the Department of Education.
0: So as an advisor, did you immediately know that you were going to do VICA in your program,
1: or did did it come event- gradually? I actually knew immediately, because during the interview with the, with the county school board, one of the questions they asked was, well, first of all, do you know about VICA? And secondly, will you support the program and become a VICA advisor? And I said, absolutely, I will, because, again, that was... A program that had changed my life, and I truly believe that that part of the interview is the reason I landed that job was because I was a VICA alumni. Uh, I was someone who had gone through the program and understood it, and they knew I could help. You know, lead students in that in that local program. So, so it was a pretty easy lift starting um, as an advisor. My first year as an advisor, I had welding students who placed second and third at the district level of competition with the counties in the surrounding area, and again, that was a A life-changing moment as a teacher suddenly I knew that my skills were fairly good because my students were competing against the best in the region they placed second and third silver and bronze but to me that was amazing because I knew then that we could at least be competitive Uh, that was the first year teaching and then moving on in as an advisor in the second year and beyond all the way up to ten years in that position every year my students and I did a little more in VICA. We moved into the leadership side. We moved into um, everything from public speaking to job interview to occupational health and safety. And really, again, life-changing as my journey continued, uh, my students started winning state awards and national awards. And that built notor- notoriety for me as a teacher to be recognized at the state level. So how was your, what was your experience like the first time you went to nationals? It was amazing. The uh, first time I went to Nationals when, was in Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> I know that's full circle. We're going back to Atlanta now in 2021. But in 1981, my first uh, experience at Nationals was walking into the Georgia World Congress Center in Atlanta with my students who were there competing and looking at this what was called the United States Skill Olympics and just being amazed at what I was seeing. The support there, the industry support, the students there all for the same purpose, the teachers there with the passion. It was just an amazing experience for me that first year. And that same year, it was really interesting because that was the year, the only time that the United States hosted what we now call world skills. Okay. It was then called the International Youth Skill Olympics. And the world came to Atlanta that year. Immediately following our national conference, we kept the equipment on the floor. Oh wow. And our Vicka kept the equipment on the floor. I was a teacher with students and they moved the following week right into the international competition. So I got to experience both the national and the international competition my first year attending nationals, which was pretty darn cool. So you stayed for both? I did. I got to see both. Wow. I can't imagine
0: what that – it was a much smaller world event at that point, I suppose.
1: It was. I think we'll use every inch of space at GWCC in 21, and in those days we used one big exhibit hall. So
0: counting that one,
1: how many world championships have you been to? Wow, been to everyone since, well, counting 1981, then everyone since 1999 in Montreal. Wow. So I'm not sure what the number is, but yeah. uh,
0: it goes back a ways. That's a, that's a ways. I've, I was talking to some students today who are here visiting the office, some students from Ohio, and explaining the World Skills Program to them because they, a couple of them didn't know about it. And it mm-hmm. was interesting to explain it and to see how excited they got
1: to know that there was a world version. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's amazing. And, you know, you've been to the World uh, Skills event several times, and uh, again, this journey I've taken from being a student uh, to an industry partner, to a teacher, to a state director in Virginia, which is another big chunk of my life, uh, for another 10 years working as a state director there, um, it's been nothing short of amazing as these doors opened, and then ultimately becoming the official delegate for the United States of America at the World Skills level, and, uh, and becoming one of only two fellows at World Skills this past year uh, as of that award was presented in Russia, in Kazan, uh, this past fall. So again, this journey has been amazing, Craig. It's something I would have never dreamed of when I was that 17-year-old Vicka student.
0: That's fantastic. Now, you, I, I had jumped the gun earlier and said that about the Department of Education, but that was your next step after right.
1: being a teacher. exactly. Student, teacher, well, student-industry partner, teacher, teacher, uh, then State Department of Education. So I was recruited again because I think my students uh, opened that door for me because they were doing so well in the program, competing and winning national awards. We won the occupational health and safety competition at the national level level nine straight years, nine straight national gold medals. So, of course, that was recognized by the state. Uh, I was uh, named the National Trade and Industrial Teacher of the Year in 1983, uh, which also gave me some recognition with the state. So the state... Department of Education knew who I was, knew about my program, knew about how well my students were performing, and they recruited me to come and apply for the state director's position. And gosh, that was in 1987. Uh, So in 1987, I became the state director in Virginia. We grew that program to about 17,000 students, uh, traveled all across the state visiting uh, every school that had a chapter in the state of Virginia and had some incredible activities and student activities and incredible state officers that I worked with that still stay in contact with me to today. That's awesome. Now you also served as SkillsUSA's board of directors, right? Mm -hmm. I was uh, as a state director uh, again trying to to look at the pathway that would lead to success. I, I noticed that there were officers inside the state directors association and I ran for parliamentarian the first the first time. I was elected uh, then I ran for, I think, secretary, and eventually I ran for chair-elect. You have to be two years into the program to run for that top position to become chair. So the chairman of the chairperson of the State Directors Association becomes a member of the National Board of Directors. So, in fact, when I became a board member for the national organization, uh, my second year into that position uh, and a board, as a board member of the organization, then i was recruited to come to work for the national office in business and industry partnerships and that was may of 1996 may of 1996
0: that was one month before i started that's why i knew yeah. this and i knew that we were about, about
1: about four weeks apart but yeah it's been it's been great to work with you and, and all the national staff here at You say it's an incredible group of people with an incredible board of directors and an incredible group of state leaders who just care deeply about the mission of the organization and we've made some great strides over the past 24 years. That first five years as director of business partnerships was probably the toughest job you'll ever love as far as I was concerned because, you know, I wasn't sure I was quite ready for that when I came from the state to the national level. Suddenly, you know, instead of 16,000 people depending on me, there were hundreds of thousands of people depending on me to lead the organization. Well, Uh, let's be clear, folks, that
0: he wasn't just in charge of business partnerships he he helped organize the entire championships
1: right he was, that was all under his responsibility it was the championships it was the international competition it was all the partnerships the alumni and the what was then called the youth development foundation now called the skills usa foundation so it was an incredible lift for me to move into that position but made so many great friends and so many great professional acquaintances through that that job working with partners those 600 to 1,000 businesses that we were working with that ran the championships that, that supported us through financial contributions, through in-kind contributions. It was an incredible experience that, that really did help prepare me for the next step and uh, probably uh, was one of the toughest jobs I say I ever had, but one of, the most, uh, one of the most rewarding to see the students on stage and see all that happened inside those, those partnership programs. That's fantastic. Now,
0: you did that for four, five, five, five years. years. Uh-huh. Five years. And then our executive director, Stephen Denby, he was the second executive director, mm-hmm. retired. Right. And you
1: applied to be the executive director. I did. I did. And uh, strange story there. I, I applied, and I made it to the final interview. And, uh, you know, I backed out. Mm. And I said again, thinking, am I really ready for this? Uh I said, "There's more to do in partnerships. Mm-hmm. I'm not finished. I want to do more," and uh, so I backed out, and uh, it did swing back around, and and I did actually become the executive director in 2001 in January 2001, and uh, what an incredible experience it's been for the past 19 years, and what an incredible experience it's been to to hand that uh, that title over to Shelly Travis, who's now the the brand new executive director at Jose, and I know she's going to do an amazing job. Talk for a couple of minutes about the highlights of your experience as executive director. What are your biggest memories that you have? Wow, you know, the, uh, there are so many, Craig, and, and the journey, of, you know, through that nineteen years as executive director, so many, so many highlights and so many memories. I guess you know, my my fondest memory is working with those nineteen teams of national student leaders. Uh, students who I've gone on to see succeed in everything from law to the automotive and transportation industry to manufacturing. Uh, just some incredible student leaders who represented our organization over those years. And this team this year is no different. They're an incredible group of young people and, uh, and more seasoned adult students who are in the college level, but it's been a real pleasure to work with them. I guess um, the transitions between the cities, uh, as we stayed in Kansas City for 21 years, I was there as Director of Partnerships. Um, I guess my first year there was was as a teacher, uh, and then seeing the conference move from, from Kansas City to Louisville, and then working on the negotiations and all the work to get us to Atlanta in 2021. So those moves from city to city have been a highlight, too, to work with the, the various cities. And, you know, going back to, to what I was talking about a minute ago, uh, since I've been in this position at the national level, you know I've traveled to all fifty states at least twice. I've been to twenty-three countries around the world. And if you would have asked a young man at seventeen uh, from Rock West Virginia, would that be possible? The word, the answer would have been absolutely not. Uh, but it's amazing what this organization can do, and what it will allow you to do if you just set your goals high. But you know another uh, another highlight. Uh, was in 2001 my very first year as executive director again coming in green uh, I had been working with the international competition but had never gone as the as the executive director and in 2001 uh, something very devastating happened in our country and that was 9-11 and I was in Seoul Korea with seven students seven great young Americans I was the team leader for that team that year and uh, we were in the Yong Hotel, the Hong Hotel, the Hong River in Seoul, Korea, and there was a young man named A.J. Rowe from North Carolina. He was a CNC machining student, and I'll tell you another story about him in a moment. He was an amazing, amazing young man. But A.J. knocked on my door in my hotel room that night, uh, on September the 11th, and said, "Mr. Lawrence, are you watching TV?" And I said, "No, what's up, A.J.?" And he said, "Well, they think a small plane just hit one of the World Trade Centers in New York, but there's something else happening." And those other six students in A.J. came to my room, and we sat up all night and watched 9-11 unfold back home. And um, cell phones were locked up, landlines were, were tied up. We couldn't call our families. We didn't know what was happening back home other than what we are seeing on the news. And uh, the most amazing thing happened as we watched the sun rise that next morning over, over the Ong River uh, I told the students as we were watching the news and, and seeing what had happened and seeing the planes were grounded all around the world. I said, you know, I want you to make a decision and I'm gonna walk away and let, let you as students make that decision. We will stay and compete and represent our country or as soon as the planes start flying again, which looks like in a few days, we'll go home. And they walked away and they huddled for about two minutes and they came back and said, we're staying. And we're awesome. representing our country. And Craig, they they brought home more medals as a team per size than any team we've ever had at the world skills level. And as those students walked around Seoul for the next several days, wearing the American flag on their jackets and wearing the American flag on their uniforms, the news media was all over them. You know, who do you think did this to your country? What should the United States do to retaliate? And the students were so professional without any coaching, we're just saying, we're just praying for our families back home and for our country and hope things. Are, are fine with them back there. They stayed, they represented our country. Um, there were microphones thrust in their face. There were uh, news reporters, you know, asking because they saw they were young Americans, their opinions. And they were also uh, gathered around a, a shrine in downtown Seoul that was that was put together by the Korean people for the victims of 9-11. And our students went there to honor, uh, to honor those victims. Uh, I remember driving back into D.C. from the airport, coming back finally three weeks later and seeing the Pentagon still on fire mm-hmm. and the big American flag hanging over the side of the Pentagon uh, where the memorial stands today. But probably the most proud moment of that trip was at the award ceremony. And we received uh, Young Hai Tran, a Vietnamese refugee, now, a, now then a USA student, welding, gold, uh, Keisha James from New York, whose family lived in the shadow of the World Trade Center in Manhattan, uh, was our cosmetology student. AJ was our machining student. But at the award ceremony, when all the countries gathered and all the nations came together at the end, uh, our students were right in the center of that crowd. And I still have the photo. And the American flag was the highest flag above all the other countries' flags uh, in that group. And what was so amazing about that experience too was the fact that as our students walked through that city and through that competition, students from every country in the world, other students their age, embraced them. Whether they were students from Saudi Arabia wearing the traditional headdress and gown, or whether they were students from France, they were all coming up, giving our students a hug, saying we're sorry and we hope our country had nothing to do with this tragedy. And the world was behind us during that time. It really was. Uh, There was no other time in my lifetime that I've seen patriotism uh, that, like, like what was exhibited there uh, during that time and when we came back home. If you remember, there were American flags flying everywhere and Mm -hmm. we walked back into that as we came back home. But A.J., just a quick story to lighten it up a little bit. Uh, That was a somber moment, but a a very memorable moment. A.J. was a machining student from North Carolina and he was working in an apprenticeship program for a a furniture hardware manufacturer called Bloom, B-L-U-M. And A.J. was a was a brilliant mathematician, formula to, to figure out CNC code. He was just amazing. Uh, every morning of that four-day competition, I would sit down with the students at breakfast and ask them how they were doing what they needed for the day. So on the third day of competition, A.J. is sitting at breakfast, and I said, A.J., how's it going? He said, Mr. Lawrence, I'm in trouble today. And he was in the metal. He was in metal contention at that point. We knew it because in some competitions they do display the scores up until the The third day when they shut them down so it becomes a secret. But we knew he was in gold or silver range. He said, I cannot machine this part today. He said, I cannot get the program figured out to make the machine cut the part. So I asked him a simple question. I said, you're a machinist. You can't create the program to make the part. Can you make the part manually through your calculations and through the machine itself and through the tools, the tooling in the machine? And he thought for a minute and he said, I think I can. It was a part that was Cylindrical, if that's a word, it was egg shaped, sort of oval shaped. And uh, he figured out how to cut that part, manufacture it manually, and AJ won the silver medal at the world level that year. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, it's, 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 um, that time was such a, I can't imagine what it would have been like to be in another country when something so traumatic happened, especially with family in the area and everything. I had a good friend who lived in. Uh, Queens at the time. Mm-hmm. his wife worked right near there. And so the whole thing was was, was a strange, strange situation and to, just to look up in the sky and see no planes and right For those listening who may not be aware that we haven't always had the connectivity and, and, and speed that we have now, we had no way to watch anything here. We didn't have a television that um, could get a signal inside the building. So we all were gathered out on the back dock looking at a little black and white t- TV trying to see what was happening. Um, fortunately, we still did have streaming for, like, some of the radio stations, but it was hit and miss because our connectivity out here, we are out for those who haven't been to the national headquarters, it's out in the country. So, anyway.
1: <laughs> it certainly is. And, a beautiful and, and part of the country. We do
0: have Fios now, but at that time <laughs> we did not. And anyway, it was we we were also scared. We didn't know when the planes would be going again, and and so to be in another country and, and to get through that. And I thought I remembered that you said that when our country was announced in the opening ceremony at the World
1: Skills, that they received a standing ovation. They did. They received a standing ovation. So uh, th- there and at the awards ceremony, when our students were announced, it was amazing. And we had one of the smallest teams there that year. We right. only had seven students competing. But of those seven students, uh, looking looking back, I think there were there were four medals of those seven, and they all they all placed very high. Uh, they were really focused on, you know, supporting their country, and they were they were laser focused on their work.
0: Are there any other memories that stand out for you?
1: Well, probably just probably the, more than you could. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many. Uh, the national conferences, of course, uh, I I sit in the front row with the board of directors every year, and I just. Uh, I get teary-eyed because to see the work of the year come together and to see the students on the stage leading the organization and doing all the speaking, standing up there as poised and professional as anyone you'll ever see, the patriotism around that event, especially the opening ceremony, is just something that I'll never forget. Um, It's just something that's moving, life-changing, and no matter how many times I walked into that hall with the championships, and looked at what industry was doing for us, uh, I just wonder, how do we pull this off? How do we make this happen? But it's because of so, because of so many thousands of, of, of volunteers, uh, tens of thousands of teachers, and hundreds of thousands of students all working toward a common goal that can make that happen. But you know, some other highlights, uh, we, we recognize some amazing industry partners as we're talking about industry. Uh, Jim Lentz, CEO of Toyota, great friend that we recognize as CEO of the year, John McClade from Air Products out of Pennsylvania, Nick Pinchuk from Snap-on Tools, Uh, the list goes on and on. And, you know, I like to say, and talking about memories, as I talk with students, the national officer team each and every year, I try to give them an analogy that that would make a little sense uh, as comparing our organization to the human body. You know, the uh, the teachers I've always said are the heart of the organization the advisors are truly the the heartbeat of skills USA and then our industry partners are sort of the lifeblood you know the, the heart beats the, the blood flows and then the students are the body mm. you could say they're the student body which they are but the body of the organization and really why we do all that we do is for that student and we do it because of the, the heartbeat of the teacher and the, and the lifeblood of industry but meeting all those industry partners and and You know, going from, again, a a welding student in in Rock West Virginia to meeting CEOs of Fortune 100 companies, uh, sitting at dinner with them, uh, meeting people from all around the world, world leaders, ambassadors. Uh, I got to travel to uh, with the State Department one year to Kazakhstan, Mm -hmm. uh, and I traveled there for nine days all across that nation, the ninth largest land mass in the world. And I met people from the former Soviet Republic, that were just amazing people that were interested in what we were doing in this country and what we were doing in USA. I've been inside the Canadian embassy, the French embassy, the United Arab Emirates embassy, the Chinese embassy and met diplomats and ambassadors again. Uh, I've met prime ministers from Switzerland. I've spoken to the parliament in Switzerland. I've spoken to Congress uh, at least three, four times. Those are just so many highlights, Craig, that uh, again, very few people have the opportunity to experience. So if students are listening to this or if teachers are listening to this, just know that if Tim Lawrence can do it, <laughs> anyone can do it. Because uh, I came from, from from nowhere and went somewhere, and you can go that somewhere as well. You just have to set your goals high and stay focused and just always do the right thing.
0: So what's next?
1: Do you ride <laughs> off into
0: the sunset on your, your horse in uh... – February yeah. 14th. Yeah,
1: my horse is 32 and a half feet long. Uh, <laughs> my family and I purchased an RV, and a week after retirement, my wife and I and our best friends are headed down to Key West, so we're going to be staying on for a month, uh, traveling along the Gulf Coast and stopping along the way and camping in various locations, uh, including Fort Myers, the Everglades, and eventually down to Key West, and coming back up the Atlantic side. So that's the first month. <laughs> Beyond that, um, I'm not sure. I know I'll volunteer. Uh I'll volunteer if the state's need me to help out there. I'll be happy to help them. Uh I'll volunteer for the national organization if if you need me, but right now I'm just going to to see what it's like to uh to relax. Because when people say, "Hey, where do you want to go when you retire?" I say I really want to go home. And go. we we live on a beautiful lakefront property and it's uh it's a great place to go and 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 relax and I'm not accustomed to relaxing, but I'm looking forward to trying it to see how it goes. And I'm sure I'll be busy again, but I'll be busy doing uh, something to, to help others for sure any way I can.
0: Well, Tim, I know that um, I speak for not just the people here in this building, but also the membership of our organization. We want to thank you for all that you've done for us at Skills USA through the years and wish you the best of luck on, on what comes next. Thanks so much for coming in.
1: Thank you, Craig. It's been an amazing journey, and I want to thank all the people who've traveled along that journey with me. It's been so fulfilling, and it's been such an honor to serve in this capacity. Thank you. Thanks so much.
0: Please join us next time for Skills USA's podcast. SkillsUSA.